where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. I wanted to mention that um, all of our worship leaders are fully vaccinated, all of our Sunday staff, actually. So I'm going to remove my mask for this time of reflection. And um, I also want you to know that we're going to be revisiting our practices uh, at the council meeting this Tuesday. So we'll keep you posted on um, what, what changes we'll be incorporating with the latest news that came out of the CDC and Boulder County. Uh, so, and this morning, I feel kind of silly, but I'm gonna do a little name dropping because it uh, turns out I know some famous people. It's true. Uh, it goes back to 2015. And I was coming home from an evening meeting, and the typical scene of my coming home from an evening meeting is, you know, Beth on the couch, a wine glass, computer, paper, paper sprawled out, cat on a pillow, TV on. Everything looked normal, but I, for some reason, I noticed that while, during the commercial, there was a little, um, there was an emblem in the corner that was different. You know, usually it's CNN, MSNBC, um, ESPN, you know, something with an N. But it was Fox. And I said, huh, what are you, what are you watching? Is everything okay? Um, she goes, oh, yes. She goes, I'm watching American Idol. I'm like, American Idol, huh. Well, a friend, Jerry, from work, her um, nephew, Nick Fradiani, you all know that name, right? Come on. Unbelievable. Nick Fradiani is on American Idol. And this was like the top 32 or 36. 36. So we watched. And then we voted. Because you're supposed to vote, right? It felt like we were in on something. And gradually, over time, week by week, we watched, we voted. You know, Nick... He kept going. The news was spreading. The local paper was covering it. You know, local, Nick Fradiani is on American Idol. I keep forgetting the name of the show. American Idol. From the pulpit, we were preaching, vote for Nick. I can't tell you how satisfying it was to tell people who to vote for. <laughs> Finally, vote for Nick. Now, do it now. And we did. Seemed like everybody was voting for Nick Fradiani. Well, Nick progressed. He made it to um, one of four finalists, which if you know the show, means you get a home visit. Oh yeah. So all the Hollywood kerfuffle comes to the hometown of each of the four participants. And this was Guilford, Connecticut. The person in charge of the concert, because Part of it was going to be a concert. Of course, we all know what Nick did all day. He went to his parents' house, he had a nice little dinner, played basketball with his friends. We had a little parade. I shouldn't even use the word little because it was huge. We had a huge parade, 
streets were closed, police were out. It didn't seem like anybody went to work that day. The person in charge of setting up the green, if you're familiar with New England, every little town has a green. This one is 12 acres, to give you a sense of size, very large. The person in charge was a church member. And the Guilford UCC church was on the north end of the green because they came first, the North Star, the North End. You get the connection there? So she knew, she was so smart. She set up the stage so that when Hollywood took a shot of the crowd, the church was right there. It was awesome. I have to tell you, it was super, super exciting. So we go through this whole parade. And by the way, I'm pretty sure it was on TV because, you know, this connection of Jerry, Nick's aunt, you know, just sort of swept us in, plus the person in charge, like, oh, come right up to the front. So of course we did. And it was really, I can't tell you how much fun it was. It was a lot of, like, people made special donuts. It had his name on it. You know, it was, like, a little silly, but, but fun. And Nick finally took the stage, and he played for an hour. I mean, this wasn't necessary. He didn't have to play for an hour, but he really was, um, you know, a hometown boy. And he really was humble. He was raised in the Catholic Church in town. He knew the value of giving back. Uh, He had lifelong friends, which for him was 30-year friendships. He was 30 at the time. And when he took the stage, he said, you know, I'm really not deserving of a parade. And he went on to thank the veterans and those who are serving in the military. He had a lot of different groups that he cared about, and he chose to mention the veterans that day. And it really just added to it. It's like, wow, look at who we're supporting. He's a really great guy. And he played with his hometown band, um, which his dad is in. So that was special, too. It's a multi-generational band. I mean, I hope you know this, but just in case, he won. Yeah, he was American Idol, I think, number 19. Sorry, I don't have the number, but he won the whole thing. And it was our claim to fame, and we were a part of it. So not only was it a super fun memory, but it was instructive on what's possible when a town comes together and puts all their energy into something. I mean, you know this feeling from other pursuits. You know this from being part of a team. Maybe you just know this from being part of a family, what's possible? Or part of an orchestra, or a drum line, or a cheering squad. It turns out that this moment, this movement, (laughs) that led to Nick's victory was also good practice. It was a concerted effort where we could say, look what we did, look what we did together, look at what's possible. In 2018, Guilford, Connecticut was in the news again. But this time, it was a story of anguish. 
It was devastating. And I'm going to spare you most of the details. The news first came to me by telephone. I received a phone call from a chaplain at one of the hospitals in New Haven. It's usually not a good sign when you get a call from a chaplain. And we went back and forth a couple times where I learned that not only had one of our children been injured in an accident, but because I was the clergy person on the way, they shared the news that the child had also died. And I have to tell you, it's really different when it's one of yours. I mean, as a community, we had gone through the Newtown shooting, mass shooting, and that was far enough away that while it was devastating, it didn't feel like this. This was horrible. And I immediately, um, Beth remembers my phone call to her. I didn't tell her everything on the phone. I just said, I'm going to the hospital. And when I walked into the hospital, I was immediately met by somebody and escorted. And if you've ever been in that situation, you know that's also not a good thing. When the people in the hospital actually make room for you and they lead you to a room where the family is. And the mom and dad, Kristen and Mike, had just learned that Ethan was dead. To say that um, it was, I mean, really, the only word I can use is anguish. That's it. And the doctor, I, I remember the anguish of the doctor as well. Because, of course, Kristen said, can I see him? And the doctor said, he's unrecognizable. I don't recommend it. And so, of course, they didn't. This was an accidental shooting. Ethan and his friend had been playing with a gun. Turns out it's not the first time this had happened. And if you're thinking they should have told him not to play with guns, they did. He knew that message. What they hadn't incorporated into their family life yet was the question to the parents of the home where they were, do you have weapons in your home and are they locked? And is the ammunition and the firearm, are they in different places when you're not home? In other words, when you're not home, is there a risk that my child, out of curiosity, can get his hands on your weapons? It's a new question for parents. So we find, again, I'm sparing you many details. Um, but news was spreading. And so on the way home from the hospital, my colleague and I decided that we would open the church because that's what you do 
in these moments. You make space for people to come together, not because we have answers or because we can even make meaning out of it, just so that we could be together. And we lit candles. And there was space for parents and for kids. And then at one point, as that was sort of winding down, I went, um, we quickly decided that my colleague would focus on the family because I was leaving to come to Colorado. And I would focus on the family of the other boy that was in the house and the family that, um, where the father owned the weapons. So I went to the police station and caught them just as they were coming out, just to say, I see you, we care about you, do you need anything? What can we do? Um, and that relationship continued. So I'm gonna fast forward then, a few days, it's all a little blurry, but a few days later, we all gathered back on that green where we were for Nick's concert. But this time it was a vigil, and it was at night. And you know that dark is where the stars shine. And it was in that dark moment that the stars were shining, and that people were speaking and sharing their stories. And we all joined with Ethan's dad, Mike, who asked us to look up and say, we love you, Ethan. And we did, at the top of our lungs. And then fast forward, we're back at church again, this time for the visitation, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to come through the church to say hello to the family and to offer condolences and support. And again, we were back at the church for a memorial service. And I had forgotten this detail, but Beth reminded me yesterday that Nick and his dad sang at that service. And then we left for Colorado, but this story continued because again, there was a gathering at the church, but this time it was on the front steps. It was a news conference, and it introduced, hmm, surprised, <clears throat> it introduced the safe storage bill which is known as Ethan's Law in some states. The federal government is taking a look at this now. Now these two stories, Nick and Ethan, change the way I look at and look for Pentecost. I still wonder about what was meant by the distinguished the distinction between a baptism of water and a baptism of the Spirit. And I'm tempted to say that maybe Nick and that story was a baptism of water, and maybe Ethan's story and his family's story was a baptism of the Spirit. There's no doubt to me that the Holy Spirit was at work in that second story, but 
Maybe it was at work in the first one too. The outpouring of compassion and care, the outpouring of courage and strength and commitment is undeniably the work of the Holy Spirit. But I like to think that the Holy Spirit not just allows but wants us to enjoy life too, not just recover from the hard times. And that's what Nick was. It was an opportunity to enjoy it, and I know that Nick is giving back and inspiring musicians, which is a beautiful way to engage in life. So it wasn't just an outpouring. In both instances, it was really a movement. And in Ethan's case, for his family, it was a transformation from pain to purpose. And they live that purpose every day. It was a good reminder of a really important verse. You know, when, when I'm up against, and I hope when you're up against the hard stuff of life, that you turn to some of these verses in Scripture, particularly Romans chapter 8. Now, not a lot of women point people to the book of Romans or the letter to the Romans, but I do because it says things like nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. It also says, Romans 8, verse 28, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are, according, who are called according to God's purposes. I often mix up that verse a little bit and sometimes say all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to God's purposes. Same thing. In other words, in the horrible moments, in the moments of anguish, God can make something good. And I believe that happened with Ethan. We didn't stay in the despair. Does that sound like the gospel story for you? You don't stay in death. But there's forgiveness. There were no charges pressed against that other child. The father was held accountable, as he should have been. But up until that point, there was no law to hold him accountable. That's why there's now a safe storage law, or Ethan's law. Now, this congregation has seen a glimpse of this. You know this. You know this viscerally from the flood recovery efforts. Same kind of movement. Devastation, coordination of effort and time and talent and resource with others joining in. Maybe you've glimpsed this power in demonstrations and vigils that you've taken place in. There's even sort of that kind of feeling of like, I'm a part of something good It feels that way to know that maybe you've put solar on your house or you've purchased an electric car or a hybrid. Same thing for composting or planting a garden. There's a goodness that you're a part of when you do this, when you are working toward harm reduction for the earth and its resources, and even healing of resources. Now, this outpouring is happening um, now, 
and still in Boulder. And church has been part of the first responders in Boulder and other towns, sorting through the anguish for families and the larger community. It's devastating. You know this. And for most of us, it's far enough away that it might not be life-changing, but it could be. There is a tremendous outpouring of community response and public safety initiatives from the people who are living in Boulder. And here in Longmont, we're trying to support those initiatives too and add to, our, add to them. So when I talk about reducing gun violence, I know that for some that might sound political. But is it? Or is it pastoral? And is there a difference between the two? I mean, seriously, in what other work would you only ask someone or a community to be among the first responders when there are ways to prevent the tragedy? You would never do that to fire, I want to say firemen, but I know there are women too. You would never ask them to keep showing up to put out fires when there's an easy fix or even a complicated fix. Prevention can also be the work of the church, not just cleanup. Prevention was the goal of our response to the virus. We did everything we could to prevent the spread of the virus in this space and in our building. Prevention was the impetus for the safe church policies that helped to keep our children safe. Prevention, keeping children and teens safe, is the primary goal of reducing gun violence and safe storage. Now, when I told you I was going to be doing some name dropping, you probably thought Nick was the star. I mean, to be honest, I did too. But as I started writing this out, I realized that the real superstars are Kristen and Mike. and the work of the Holy Spirit. Because they're making communities safe for children and teens and really for all of us. And just as proof that they're the real superstars, I bought the t-shirt. You too can be a part of this effort or continue in the efforts that you're already a part of because God's spirit is multidimensional and multi-movement. But may it all be for harm prevention and for the enjoyment of the gift that life is. 
None of us know how many days we will walk this earth. And it's a gift to walk it together. May all that we do be for the good so that God's name and God's Holy Spirit may be glorified in what we do.